not. Can you? They only have the Patriots beating the Chiefs by one. No way. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. You're a Chiefs fan, aren't you? Can you believe that, Jeff? Look at that right there. Pats don't you, lose two in a row. Pats don't lose two in a row, right? Is it my turn? Oh, sorry. Um, whew, how's everybody doing this morning? Good. Good. Sorry about that. I'm usually more on top of things than that. Wow. All right. Am I okay? My hair look okay? That's hurtful. That's hurtful. So this morning we're talking about distractions. Hence, see what I did there? See what I did there? Good. All right. So now that we got that out of the way, (laughs) that was fun. Thanks for playing along, Jim, Jeff, Matt, even though you really didn't contribute a lot there. That was good. All right. Um, We're talking about distractions. And, And the reality for us this morning, and kind of the, the, the theme statement of our message today, of our, our next few moments together, is this. The devil doesn't need to destroy us if he can distract us. The devil doesn't need to destroy us if he can distract us. And so, a distraction is defined as a pulling apart, a separating, a drawing of the mind in different Directions And this pulling apart is the reality that every force in the world is trying to distract us, trying to divide our hearts, trying to discourage our souls, trying to disengage our faith. And if we're honest, and I think if we all went around the room, it is a fight to focus. I mean, we're going we're gonna to have a message now for probably the next hour and a half or so. And, and, and I know... I know because we, we talked about these types of things in school when, when we would talk about communicating. And the average attention span back in like 2005 was seven minutes. Now they estimated, they guesstimated around two to three minutes for the average attention span. Okay, which is why, which is why we do things uh, like that right there to try to get everybody's attention and things like that. I'm kind of letting you, I'm letting you in on a couple things here, Mark. Don't go sell me out, all right? Um, but, but, but it's hard to focus. I mean, chances are you're thinking about the people you still need to shop for between now and Christmas because Christmas is like 17 days away. I should probably start. Um, and and you're, you're thinking about, uh, or, or the bigger question, right? Where are we going to eat lunch? Um, you know, and, and uh, you know, things like that, right? And, and it's a fight to focus. What are some of the things that, 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 fight, um, that fight you for your focus? Anybody? What are some things that are distractions for you that take your attention that are a fight to focus from? Yeah, Dan. Oh, your phone. You're waving it. I see that phone. I see that phone. Amen. I'm, amen. Anybody else? I don't know whether to be proud as your pastor or deeply concerned. I'm going to say proud because you've seen up. Well done. Okay. What else? Hmm? Work. I heard it over here too. Work. Work. All right. That's a distraction. Right? What else? Children. Somebody had to say it. Right? Somebody had to say it. Children. Children. What else? Household chores. Weather. Okay. Household chores and weather. Social media. Okay. 
Computer. Hmm? Health. Health. I thought you said elf at the first time. I'm like, yeah, I love the movie too, but I'm not sure I've ever... Okay, health. Got it. All right. Television. You guys are coming up with a few more than the first service did. You guys are awake. This is going to be fun. It might actually be 90 minutes. One or two more. Money. That's, yeah, I had to say that one in the first service. Money. Yeah, that's a, that's a big one. Anybody ever been distracted by money? Okay, amen, amen, amen. What else? One more. Bring it home. Pastor Rick. Demands of everyone. Demands of everyone. You know, somebody said in the, in the first service, um, to-do lists. And so you could just say, you know, everybody's to-do list or expectations or, you know, diff- different things like that, that that can definitely pull your focus and draw you away from things that are important. And so as, as, we, as we start this morning, let me reiterate kind of our theme statement. The devil doesn't need to destroy us if he can distract us. And, you know, as I think about this morning and the passage that we're going to go to, here's my prayer for you. Nothing nothing about what we're about to say, nothing about what we're about to talk about, I pray, shocks you. Like, this is not going to be an earth-shattering, you know, you know, brand new content message. In fact, we're going to a passage that's very familiar, and chances are, if you didn't grow up in church, you've heard this passage at least referenced, referred to in some way, shape, or form. But what I do pray is that there is a new found focus and challenge and stirring. And, and, and what we got from the first service was passion around this passage. And so we're going to turn in our Bibles to Luke chapter 10. And chances, chances are you've maybe even set in an Advent message, because I think we actually looked at this passage in Advent last year, um, or Christmas Eve, I can't remember um, which, but, but it's a well-known passage, Luke chapter 10, we're going to look at verses 38 through 42, and it's the story of Mary and Martha, Jesus visiting the house. And, and, and Mary and Martha. And so I want to read that. The words are going to be on the screen. If you don't have your Bible with you, that's okay. I want you to follow along with me as we look at this. We're going to start in verse 38. It says, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Now let's pause right there for just a moment. Martha gets a bad rap in this passage. Very often. Martha gets a bad rap in this passage. But what I want you to see is what did Martha do? She welcomed him. She had a gift, right? And, and, if, and if we saw Martha today, we would see Martha in the faces of, of Lois. We would see Martha in the faces of Anita and Chris Turner and different people like that. Henry Carson, the folks that are at the, at the front door welcoming people into the house and making sure that all of your needs were met. Especially if you come to second service every week, you don't know, chances are you might not know a Stanley. And there's a guy by the name of Stanley who is the first person to pull into this parking lot every Sunday morning, nine times out of ten. Me or Dylan might beat him here every once in a while, but chances are Stanley's the first person here. And you know why he's here? To make sure you have coffee. That's his role. That's his role, and that's his gift, and he loves that, and he's passionate about making sure that there's hot coffee for for the nine o'clock hot for the nine o'clock, you just get coffee, okay? Um, and, 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 and that's his gift. And I want you to see here, I want you to see here as we talk, because we're going to make much of this. 
We're going to make much of this. Martha had a gift. And her gift was valuable. And here, Jesus, and, 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 and a few followers of Jesus, right, the, the people that were with Jesus, came into the house, and Martha wanted to make sure that they were welcomed and that they had everything that they needed. Had everything that they needed. Let's keep reading. Look at verse 39. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to His teaching. Different gift. How many of you have a sibling that has a different gift than you? Okay, I see those hands. How many of you have a sibling that has a different gift from you that drives you absolutely crazy? Okay, same hands. All right, you get the picture. And I love imagining this passage being played out because for many of us, we don't have to imagine it. We experience it often, right? Where you get together and, and, and you're the one that's in there and you're doing the dishes after the family Thanksgiving dinner and all the other 11, 12, 20, 30 people are sitting around the living room, they're watching football and they'll maybe even make the comment. They have the audacity to make the comment, hey, Martha, we wish you'd come in here and enjoy the fellowship and play games and watch football with us. And you're over there at the dishes and you start clanging them even harder than you were before, saying, I wish I could come over there and do and have a play a game and have some fellowship. If you'd come help us, come help me do dishes, maybe I could get there a little sooner. Not that that's near and dear to my heart. Thank you for letting me get that off my chest for just a moment. Let's get back to the matter at hand. But you see that. You see this story. You see this passage play out time and time again. Why? Because we have different gifts. And chances are, you've had the thought, and you maybe even have voiced the thought, oh, if you could only just be more like me. Right? But that's not the point here. Let's keep reading. Verse 40. But Martha was distracted with much serving. Let's pause again. How many of you know your gift can become distraction? Hmm. Hmm. And if it's not kept in check, our gift can become an idol. It can become so much of a distraction that it becomes an idol. You see that? She was distracted with much serving. Martha having the gift of hospitality and welcoming Jesus into the house and making sure he had everything that he needed was not where she went wrong here. But the fact that it distracted her from sitting and enjoying the presence of Jesus and embracing the moment. Is the point that Jesus is getting at with this story. Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, can you see this? Can you see this playing out? Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. I don't know, I don't know about you, but when, when I look around right now, when I talk to folks, when, when, I, when I just go out and about, like we went yesterday 
Tell me if you think this is a good idea. Yesterday morning, we decided, hey, Home Depot's doing that thing where the kids can do a craft once a month, and they're going to give them hammers and nails and paint. Let's go. Let's take all four kids, and let's just, let's just go, and let's do this activity where your four-year-old gets a hammer in the middle of Home Depot where there's new stuff and nails and paint. And let's stick him right next to his two-year-old sister and let him run amok with the hammer and the nails and the paint. It's a good idea, isn't it? And so we did that. And uh, it, it went okay. And um, then we survived that. I mean, we had a great time doing that. And we decided, you know what? We, we need to run to the mall real quick on a Saturday morning in December with four kids, 11, 9, 4, and 2. And me, with one and a half legs, great ideas, great ideas, great decisions. Um, it did, it, that didn't go so well. It didn't go so well. We had other plans that we just diverted from. Like we were done and we went and locked ourselves in different rooms in our house for a couple hours to recover for the safety of our kids, okay? Mainly. For the safety of our kids and for the health of our marriage, okay? Um, but it wasn't that bad. But as, we were, but as we were leaving the mall, okay, as we were leaving the mall, I looked at Kristen as we were driving out and I said, you know, it's interesting because we talked last Sunday about how 62% of people say that they shop this time of year to make themselves feel better. But everybody here looks absolutely miserable. Looks absolutely miserable. And I talked to somebody in between services that I, that I saw at the mall yesterday. And I said, I said, what was your, your experience? Because they heard me preach on this in the first service. And, they, and, and I said, what was your experience? And they looked at me and they said, we had to leave and go back. Like, we just needed a minute. I'm like, I know. It seems like everybody's miserable. And, we're, and, yet, and yet we're looking at this and, we're, and, 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 we're, and there's supposed to be joy in this season and there's supposed to be you know, all of these things and yet nobody, nobody is experiencing this peace. And I look at this and I look at verse 41. Martha, 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 you're anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. And I believe, I believe, I believe in the bottom of my heart, this message and this passage is so important for us today because we, in our culture, in our church, in our families, are anxious and troubled about so many things, and we're not thinking about the one thing that's necessary that Jesus says right here. We're not. We're not. Now, before we keep going, because I've got three points, shocker, okay? But before we get to that, let's deal with some other facts about the passage, okay? Martha wasn't doing anything bad. We've already kind of touched on it, but let's just make it clear. Martha wasn't doing anything bad. She was doing good. Thank God for people like Martha. We, because of people like Martha, we eat on time. Bills get paid. Gifts get wrapped. Life happens because of people like Martha, Right? How many of you have ever looked at a Mary and just said, I wish you would do something, anything, for the love. Lift a finger. 
he's off the couch, right? I mean, like, like something, right? And, 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 and so thank God for people like Martha, because when you look at people like Mary, the Marys are the ones that never bring anything to the family dinner but Tupperware. I'm not contributing anything, but I expect to take everything with me. Hashtag do something Mary. Right? And so, and so Martha wasn't doing something bad or wrong. Her good here didn't transition to best because she was distracted with much serving. And if we're not careful, the good distracts us from the peace that Jesus came to bring. And that's the point of the message. That's the point of the message. So often, so often, the most difficult choices in our lives that we have to make aren't between good and bad, but between good and best. So often, the most difficult choices that we have to make in our lives aren't between good and bad, but between good and best. So three things I want to point out to you this morning that I believe will bring peace if we'll put them into practice today. The first one is this. We've got to limit the distractions. We've got to limit the distractions. Paul tells the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 35, he says, I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. Paul's heart for the church at Corinth was that they would secure an undivided devotion to the Lord. The New Living Translation puts it this way. Paul says, I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. And that's the heart that Jesus was getting behind here in, the, in, in Luke chapter 10. And for us, you want to know the most common distraction. If you do all the research, and, and I've been inundated with, with podcasts and articles and books looking at, looking at the distractions of today, the number one distraction that we face today is what Dan was waving around in the beginning our phone our mobile device I've been having a lot of fun with this lately and knowing that we were going to go here today and 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 um, and I've had a little bit of time on my hands to to sit um, since surgery and and um, and 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 so I've been looking at there's there's a thing in here called screen time and so you can look at the amount of screen time you've had on a daily basis, weekly average. I get a notification every Sunday morning about my weekly average of screen time. This past week, I was down 10%. That's a win. Hallelujah. I'll take it. But, but there's actually a counter on here. Some of you kids are like, duh, I knew that three years ago. I just found out. No judgment. Okay, this is a safe place. There's a counter on here that counts how many times you pick this thing up. How many times you pick this thing up? Not even to look at it or to do anything important. You just haven't held it for a while. And so you just got to hold it for a second. You just got to pick it up. It's a comfort. It's that, it's, it's our blankie. It's turned into the blankie. It's turned into the teddy, right? My kids don't carry stuffies around anymore. They carry, they carry their iPods. Bria asked for a phone the other day. And I wish I could tell you from the pulpit Kristen's response, but I don't think it's safe. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> But on average, it was fine. It was G-rated. Okay, but on average, we pick up our phone every 12 minutes. Every 12 minutes, we just pick it up. Every 12 minutes, we pick it up. The average person, the average person spends over two hours a day on social media, clicking, 
scrolling, clicking, scrolling, clicking, scrolling, comparing, looking at highlight reels, highlight reels, feeling uh, uh, inferior, feeling not important because they liked that picture, but they didn't like my picture. Or they comment on the Facebook Lives when the girls are on the Facebook Live with me, but nobody comments when I do a Facebook Live by myself. How is that supposed to make me feel, right? And so on average, over two hours a day, social media, you may think, wow, that's better than I thought. But the sad reality of that, if you do the math, that's seven years of your life. Seven years of our life scrolling, clicking, feeling left out, feeling unimportant, dreaming and wishing that maybe things were different. Seven years of our life. Seven years. Now, I'm not here to bash social media or to, to, to th- that's on you. I was listening to a podcast this past week and the guy was talking about distractions and he's a business owner down in Massachusetts and, and he said two things that really perked my, piqued my interest and I thought, wow, I should um, uh, do something like that. Two of them. One, one thing was he's home every night by six o'clock. He's home every night by six o'clock. I thought, wow, that's that's awesome. You know, business owner, he's got big business and all that. Six o'clock, home every night. And when he gets home, the phone is off. And so if it dings, if it vibrates, if there's something, he, he doesn't know it until the next morning. There's no screen time for him unless the family's engaged on a, in a movie or something like that on, the, on TV. There's no tech time. There's no tech time with computers or phones when he gets home from work by six o'clock. I thought, wow, that's, a, that's interesting. That's interesting. Um, Solomon, I was reading this this past week in Proverbs chapter 5. Solomon uh, says in Proverbs chapter 5, verse 8, stay away from her. Don't go near the door of her house. And and one article I was reading this past week said that we ought to treat distractions the same as Solomon talks about sin with this immoral woman. Stay away from her. Don't go near the door of her house. It doesn't say, hey, invite her out for a drink. Don't get close. Right? When possible, eliminate the option. Stay away from her. Don't go near the door of her house. And what would it look like if we treated distractions in the same way? Stay away from them. Don't go near the door of the house. Shut the door. Cancel Netflix. Turn off notifications. Unplug Xbox. Whatever you have to do, delete distracting apps. Leave the phone behind. What would it be for you? On May May 19th, 2019 was a big day in my life because we left church after a luncheon and went home and, uh, and, and, I, and I went back um, to, I think, take my boots off or something like that from church and I came back out into the living room and I picked up my phone one last time to check email before I went on sabbatical. And in the time that I had walked back to the bedroom to take my boots off, and I could walk pretty well then because I hadn't just had knee surgery, and, and, and so it was pretty quick, Kristen had deleted email off my phone because for 12 weeks I wasn't going to be checking email, and I haven't put it back on since. And, and just that small thing of not being available. And so, and so I have a practice in my life that Thursdays when I leave the office, when the sermon's done and I've sent it to Jeff Kaufman for the message slides and all of that, I close my computer and it's rare for me to open it back up again before Sunday morning. You know what that means? I don't get email. 
And so if you email me on Friday, Saturday, and you want to respond, I'm sorry. Well, I'm sort of sorry. But it's been so liberating. It's been so liberating. It's been so liberating. And so some of you have really caught on and you started texting and shame. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Hey, I just sent you an email. Check it. No, I can't. But what is it for you? And that for me was a big step. It was amazing because the first couple weeks I was on sabbatical, I kept opening my phone and hitting the email app. And it would come up to prompt me to try to set up my email address. I'm like, oh yeah, right. I've got to give Kristen a dollar. <sighs> but what is it for you? What are the distractions in your life that you need to eliminate? Now, and so, and so as, we, as we talk about limiting distractions, we think, oh yeah, you know, that's... That's all good and all, but how do I start? Where do I start? How do I know what's a distraction? How do I know what's good and how do I know what's best? That leads us to number two. We've got to focus on the important. And for many of us, this is where this stops and this is where this gets hard. Because when you look at Martha, and we've already talked about it, we've already defined it, we see the value in Martha. But at what point... Right? Well, what point does her gifting and her serving become a distraction for her? If we want to be more successful, we've got to do more of what matters. Say no to the good so that we can say yes to the best. Chances are you've probably heard that. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 25 and 26 says this. Let your eyes look directly forward. Let your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet. Then all your ways will be sure. And where many of us struggle with limiting the distractions in our life is we haven't defined the value. We haven't defined what's important. We haven't defined the, the, the order of importance. You can look at it this way. You know, the different buckets in your life. I have some buckets. You know, I've got a family bucket. I've got a me bucket. I've got a, I've got a church bucket. And there are buckets where I place my life and portions of my life in, right? And I make deposits in different buckets. And how many of you know if you get more than six or seven buckets, you're in trouble? You're in trouble. You're in trouble. And the problem for us is we've got too many buckets or we've got the wrong buckets. Because we don't know what's important. And here's the, here's the thing, and we've got to talk about this. <sighs> Pastor, that's great. But I just don't have time. Can I be so bold as to say that I believe that's the biggest lie we tell ourselves? Pastor, I just don't have time to spend with Jesus. I don't have the 10 or 15 minutes a day. More. No, you've got the time. It's just not that valuable to you. Pastor, I don't have time to serve or make church a priority. No, you do. It's just not that important to you. I've been, um, man, it's hard. I've been punched in the gut this week. It's been a heavy week. I'm not saying, oh, woe is me, oh, our pastor. No, none of that. But there have been three marriages this week that have reached out to me and say, we need help. We're in trouble. We're struggling. 
two of them aren't even in this church, and 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 that's you know. But the point is, the point is that the, the consistent thing in all of that is we're so focused on our kids, we're so focused on our job, we're so focused on this, we're so focused on that. We're not making time for each other. Pastor, we don't, we don't have time to do a date night. No, you do. You do. But at the end of the day, you have to see the value and importance of how necessary it is to make time for that person in your life. Because if that's not strong, forget everything else. Forget everything else. Forget everything else. And there are sacrifices that we have to make, right? For the things that are most important to us. And we have to define those things that are most important to us. Because the reality is we have the time. We have the time. What's of more value? So we've got to focus on what's important. And as I've been doing this, because, you know, for me... I've been doing a lot of um, stability exercises and strengthening exercises for my leg. And you know, one of the things I've noticed, I noticed this a few years ago, but I've been reminded of it over the last couple of weeks. As I stand on one leg and balance, now I'm 6'8", okay? So don't judge my lack of balance because my stability's never really been there. For you people that are 5 feet, 5'5", five, five, bless your hearts. You're more stable, okay? There's more of me to keep in line here, Okay? And so as I look around, right, I'm not as stable. My ankle is turning every which way right now to try to stand on one foot because I'm not, I'm, I'm looking around, I'm talking, I'm not focused. But if I will look at Bob's shoelace and focus and stay fixed right on that, it's amazing because my ankle's barely turning. It's amazing the stability we have when we focus. So as we focus on what's important, what happens is stability, right? And so for many of us, to, to limit distractions, we've got to define what's important. In order to limit distractions, we've got to define what's important. We've got to define the values in our lives that we're going to uphold, right? As a church, we've done this, right? As a church, we've done this. Um, we, we have a vision statement, and then we have five core values, a passion for Jesus, knowledge of the scriptures, community, a heart for the lost, and a heart for spiritual generations. We're going to reproduce things. And so everything we do, we funnel through that filter of does this produce a value for us? Does this produce a passion for Jesus? Does this produce a knowledge of the scriptures? Is this, uh, is this community right? Is this community? Because we're not going to do it if it doesn't accomplish the values that we have as a church because we've got buckets. You're busy. I'm busy. We're all busy. The last thing we want to do as a church and as the kingdom of God, not just because we're busy, but there's a lot at stake here. And the last thing we want to do is waste time, right? We don't want to waste time. We don't want to play church. I don't want to stand up here and preach and give you a message that's just a self-help lesson. That's a waste of time to me. 
If we're going to take 35 minutes to two hours of our life and invest into something, that was a little bit of a joke, okay? If we're going to take time to invest into something, it ought to be of value. That's a good place to say amen or do something. Jesus calls us to more than just listening to His teaching. Jesus calls us to more than just agreeing with what He says. He places us in the crossroads of life and forces us to decide to live His way or the world's way. Now I think of Peter. I think of Peter walking on water when he's in the boat and the storm and Jesus comes and they thought it was a ghost and Peter says, Jesus, if that's you, call me and I'll come and I'll walk out to you. I walk out to you. Peter gets out of the boat. He starts walking on water towards Jesus. And then the Scripture says he saw the waves. So what happened? He took his eyes off of Jesus. He got distracted. And he began to sink. And Jesus lifts him up and says, Peter, why would you take your eyes off of me? You have little faith. Why would you take your eyes off of me? We've got to define our buckets. We've got to define what's important to us so that we can limit the distractions in our lives. Listen to me. Listen to me. One more thing and then we'll move on. We make 35, on average, 35,000 decisions a day. 35,000 decisions a day on average. So ladies, you probably make about 90,000. Guys, we probably make about 5,000, right? And so that averages out to about 35,000 decisions a day. Guys, I know, I know I'm being facetious and exaggerating, okay? I know, I know some of you that you make a lot of decisions, okay? So... Don't take offense to that. 35,000 decisions a day. That's about 200 decisions an hour when you're awake. 200 decisions an hour. I just made a decision to pick up my phone. Right? 200 decisions an hour. And those values, right? Focusing on what's important, defining what's important in your life dictates those 200 decisions an hour. And Mary here made a decision to sit at Jesus' feet. A, because it was her gifting. It's how she was wired, right? It's how she was wired. But for some of us, for some of us Marthas, for some of us where that's not our, our, our first response, that's not our first thought, oh, we should sit, we should rest, we should take a break from the list, we should leave the dishes for tonight because they'll be there tomorrow. We should embrace this moment. We should embrace the opportunity to sit at the feet of Jesus, to bask in His presence. And can I just tell you real quick, this is the perfect time of year to do that, to let some other things go and to recognize Jesus and to roll the red carpet out for Jesus and to sit in His presence. It's the great time of year to do that. And let some other things go. And embrace the opportunity to be with some other people. Embrace the opportunity to spend some extra time with your family, with your friends. It's a great opportunity to do that. It's a great opportunity to do that. And let me just say, let me just say before some of you are like, man, so much easier said than done. That's hard for me. That's hard for me. That's hard for me. 
I'm the Martha in this where, okay, we got to drive this. We got to get this done. We got to get this to-do list done. We got to get all that. We got to, the dishes have, the dishes are driving me crazy. Look, we've got, I mentioned this a little bit last week. We've got four kids that just like to leave a trail of things wherever they go. Let it go. Pull an Elsa. Let it go. Let it go. I'm disappointed in the amount of people that got that right there. The Elsa thing. Okay? Number three. Listen to the voice of God. Listen to the voice of God. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21 says this, In your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, This is the way. Walk in it. When you turn to the right or when you turn to the left. And I believe this with everything in me, Anita, that it's never an issue of whether or not God's talking to us. I was having a coffee with a friend of mine this past week, and he talked about, man, when we talk about prayer so much these days, it's, it's, it's more of a conversation of us speaking. Like, what are you praying about to God? Like, what, what are you asking God for? And he said, there's not enough emphasis on, in prayer, us listening to the voice of God. Because He's speaking. He's speaking. He's speaking. The question is, are we listening? And can I tell you why we don't listen most of the time? Because He's not saying what we want to hear. Because He's not saying what we want to hear. So many people, oh, 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 so many people, Chris, are, are upset and they're frustrated and they, and, they, and they get offended because they think, they think they're getting condemned. No, listen, there's a fine line between condemnation and conviction. And so God may be speaking to you and convicting you of something and it's not condemnation, it's conviction. And you might need to check that. But so many of us think, oh, that can't be the voice of God. I'm going to get a second opinion. Guess what? There's one God. One voice. One Father. One Savior. No second opinion. And many of us, many of us say, oh, well, I just haven't heard from God. No, you've heard from God. You're just trying to ignore it. You're trying to ignore it. You're trying to ignore it. We have to make a decision that we're not going to let the noise of this world distract us from the voice of God. Our list is long, but one thing is needed. And this is not a message today to convict the Marthas and to praise the Marys. This is a message of peace. Peace isn't the absence of trouble. It's not the absence of lists. It's not the check. It's not, it's, not, it's not checking off the boxes. It's none of that. Peace is the presence of Jesus. And as we press into these things to limit the distractions, to focus on what's important, to listen to the voice of God, what comes from that is peace. What comes from Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus was peace. That doesn't mean Martha was, again, doing something wrong. She was distracted by much serving. That much is a key word in that passage. There's a key word in that passage. Distracted by much serving. I want to 
close with a verse. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15 is the verse that Jeff read in the beginning of the service. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. And be thankful. Listen to me. We have so much to be thankful for. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts and be thankful. Thankful. I was... Yeah. I was talking with Ian this past week. I was talking with Ian this past week and I said, man... There's way too much negativity. We're way too critical of each other. Not me in the end, but the church. There's just there's just too much negativity. There's too much criticism. We have a lot to be thankful for. We have a lot to be thankful for. I was sitting here last night with our volunteers in the variety show, and it was cute, man. There were kids that were dancing, and my kid got her scarf wrapped in her hat. It was a, she was so embarrassed. It was so funny. But we were sitting here with our volunteers, and I looked at our volunteers, and some of you couldn't be here last night. And just know, if you're a volunteer in this place, man, thank you. Thank you. But, but I said to them, I'm like, I can't believe we get to do this every week in a warm sanctuary with semi-padded, comfortable chairs. We have a lot to be thankful for. And this message could have gone completely different, couldn't it? Because when you think about peace and when you think about... Jesus' words, anxious and troubled about many things. Man, we could, we could, like we could, we could stop and we could, we could have a couple conversations in the room and we could get anxious and troubled really, really quickly. But there's so much more at stake. We've gotten to worship here this morning. We've gotten to open God's Word together. We've been warm. I'm sweating while we're doing it. And for some of us this morning, the biggest thing you could do to set your heart free and to experience the peace of Christ today is to cut the negativity. To ask God to remove the critical spirit within you. I was having a conversation the other day with somebody and he said, it's amazing. It's amazing how this person will look right in, in this person's face and have a conversation and praise them and, 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 and build them up and encourage them. And as soon as that person walks out the door, they trash them. 
You experienced that? Don't raise your hand. I've experienced that. Oh, pastor, best message ever. Wow, he went long today, didn't he? Squirrels. You knew that would come back and bite you. I mean, you just had to. Pastor, pastor jokes too much. Pastor talks about sports too much. Okay. We will not experience the peace that Jesus died for if we choose to focus on negativity and be critical. Listen, I I wish I could give this message in every church in our country. Stop it. Jesus is moving. East Point baptized over 40 people a couple weeks ago. We baptized four people last Sunday. I think that's pretty proportionate. I mean, I mean, the Rock Church is having like 19 services on a Sunday morning. It's unbelievable. Eric Samson down there is the Energizer Bunny preaching for the glory of God. I mean, God is moving. We have so much to be thankful for. So much to be thankful for. So much to be excited about. And you know what? The best is yet to come. 